Southwestern family of companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, our diversely and amazingly accomplished guests share their insights and inspirations to help us ignite our own. So let's invest attention together to breathe, to reflect and refocus, and decisively defeat that voice we call Mr. Mediocrity. Then let's enjoy moving forward to make a positive difference in our world. Legendary University of Tennessee coach and leader Pat Summit famously used to say, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Pat's caring attitude motivated her to create a formula for success and leadership in life called the Definite Dozen. These principles served as the foundation of her program for decades. Pat Summit was a coaching and leadership superstar, the stuff of legend. The Pat Summit Leadership Group was formed to spread the words and teachings of Pat Summit. Using film, educational programs, and publishing, the Pat Summit Leadership Group uses Pat's definite dozen to help leaders of all ages find personal and professional success. The question now is, will you claim what success looks like for you? Don't settle for mediocrity. Do what Pat did. Win at life and change the world. Get started at patsummitleadershipgroup.com. I am very excited today because we're going to be spending time with Mr. Ira Blumenthal. You know, one of my dreams in these exercises where they say, if you could talk to anybody that ever lived, who would you talk with? And I guess after Jesus Christ, I often come up with Leonardo da Vinci. And I think Ira Blumenthal is a Leonardo da Vinci of our times. He has been called a modern Renaissance man. And not only does he have a tremendous background in sports as a competitive athlete and as a sports coach, but his business career has impacted corporations and individuals literally all over the world. Uh, he's the founder and president of Co-Opportunities. It's an Atlanta-based consulting company, but it really doesn't describe it until we think about the companies that he has helped over the long term. Companies that everybody's heard of from United Artists, Marriott, Exxon, Walmart, American Airlines. But what is perhaps most impressive is that he has had the longest term consulting arrangement with the Coca-Cola company, anybody in history, some 26 years. We're particularly excited here at Southwestern Family of Companies because in early 2019, he aligned with us. He's the co-president and co-founder of the Pat Summon Leadership Group and president of Southwestern Impact, which is a venture catalyst, not capitalist, catalyst. And we may, perhaps we'll hear a little bit more about that. He's a successful author. He is an amazingly popular speaker. He has hosted a great radio show. He's interviewed success stories, people like General Colin Power, Tommy Lasorda, Dr. Richard Carlson, on and on. He's been a visiting professor at places like Notre Dame and Michigan State, an executive in residence at Georgia State University. He was also a chief marketing officer at Sara Lee and president of Reimer Foods, which was a public corporation listed on the New York Stock Exchange that he led to quantum leap growth. I'd say going from 90 million to well over 250 million in three plus years. That is quantum growth, which is phenomenal. He gives over 40 speeches a year, has delivered over 2,500 in his career, and has impacted more than 1.2 million people on five continents. He talks about being the warm-up act for some lesser-known people like President George Bush Sr., General Colin Powell, Lequilenza, et cetera, et cetera. It's just amazing the impact that Ira has had on so many people. He also spends his time helping those that cannot help themselves. Through his uh, friendship with Stephen Tyler of Aerosmith, uh, in collaboration with Youth Villages, he's a co-founder of Janie's Fund. Really pay attention, Janie's Fund, not Jamie's Gun. And it is a philanthropic organization that provides help to at-risk girls. Uh, he's involved with the Paralympic Organization and 
on and on, tireless community activist. What I think is most impressive is that he and his redheaded Missouri bride, Kim, have been married for 37 years. They've got two daughters, three sons, eight grandchildren, more on the way. And the latest achievement is they've started their piece-by-piece trek of the Appalachian Trail, over 2,000 miles of Americana. So Ira Blumenthal, it is a distinct honor to have you here on the Action Catalyst. Welcome. Well, I'm thrilled to be there. And I was listening to that thinking, my God, that was a eulogy. I don't know who wrote that, but I want <laughs> may he rest in peace. It sounds like Ira was a pretty good guy. But, uh, you know, and I do want to add one thing, okay, from the bio. And I think it's real important from our standpoint, needless to say, that I can't tell you how proud my wife, Kim, and I are to now be members of the Southwestern family of companies. And, and this is... Uh, this is the crowning jewel of a career, you know, quite frankly, so excited to working to be working with and for Southwestern through our Pat Summit Leadership Group and Impact. So I wanted to make sure that that was stated because it's uh, right from the heart. Well, we are excited. It's fun to be business partners with you, Ira, which is just great. Uh, I'd like to have go back in time just a little bit. You, you were an athlete, you're a competitive athlete, ranked, uh, then you became a coach. What were some of the significant pivot points that led you from there to your current work in, in helping change the lives of business people and individuals all over the world? Well, you know, th- that's a great question, and I, I appreciate that. You know, like, like most young boys and girls, young men and women, you know, start out with some sort of athletic career, and I was, I was blessed with the, the ability to play on a collegiate level at the University of Maryland and, and then on the World Cup level. But I started getting into coaching, you know, as I was playing, the player coach, and I realized as much as I loved competition and as much as I loved shooting a lacrosse ball into a goal or as much as I loved playing defensive back on a football team, I really enjoyed coaching more. And, you know, if I look back now and if I could do it all over again, I'd probably put a whistle around my neck and a clipboard in my hand more than a helmet on my head. And it was not that I didn't love competition, but I loved the idea of organizing and managing and educating and inspiring and rising above competitive threats and winning and losing and all the things that went with it. So, so quite frankly, you know, the pivotal, the pivotal point in my life was realizing that I was born to be a coach. Now, whether the coach is coaching X's and O's and a sports team or the coach is consulting or speaking or writing or, or doing a, a, a podcast with, with you, and I have some tremendous respect for you, Dan, that's all about coaching. So pivotal was really loving the idea of figuring out a way to educate and inspire and lead. You've certainly done that in so many different ways now, which is so fantastic. You know, in, in realizing that you've also authored so many books, you obviously think about these principles and put them into places that people can then grasp and understand. We'll talk toward the end of our presentation about your latest book. Uh, what, what do you find most, I guess, challenging about taking this wisdom and putting it into a, a book form that can then be relatable to other people? Well, you, you know, we're in a television world. We're in a four-color world. We're a world with, with music and, and special effects and design and graphics. It's got to be not just educational. It has to be entertaining. And, and I was blessed with a friendship with an amazing, an, an amazing man named Ted Turner. One, one of the founders, one of the developers of, of cable television, and needless to say, an amazing human being. And Ted coined a word early on in his chairmanship of CNN, and that word was edutainment. Edutainment. How do I educate but also entertain? So converting words, 
theories, ideas, postulates, principles from the spoken word to the written word provides that challenge. It's got to be, it's got to be entertaining. It's got to be interesting. It's got to be, it's got to be thoughtful. It's got to be funny. It's got to be insightful. It's got to be, it's got to bring about that aha moment. So I, I try to look at it all as the blending of education with entertainment. You know, in my speeches, oftentimes I'll come in from the back of the room, not the front of the room, the back of the room, tooting a harmonica, hmm. quoting, there's a battle outside and it's raging. It'll, it'll shake your windows and rattle your walls. Ah, the times they are changing and play a little harmonica from Bob Dylan. Why? I want to educate the audience about change, but I also want to entertain them and keep them awake and keep them energized and, and be unpredictable. So I guess my long-winded answer to your question is I think it's about blending education and some sort of pizzazz, some sort of entertainment. Right. Um, Ari, your, your whole personality, your demeanor, your message, it's irrepressible, it's joyful, it's fun. But surely somewhere along the way, you have encountered some brick walls. You know, you're motoring along and then all of a sudden smack and can't see around it, over it, under it. What What is the approach that, that you take or that you'd recommend when somebody has just suddenly had the rug jerked out from under them? Well, first of all, if you've lived a life a full life, you'll have more rugs pulled out from you than rugs that will be set for you. The reality is life is about change. Life is about roadblocks. You know, I heard someone once say that uh, a stepping stone and a stumbling block are basically the same thing. So, you know, in answer to your question, um, I, I'm not about yesterday. Yesterday was painful. You know, yesterday things happened. You know, I lost my best friend. I lost my parents. Right. Businesses I were involved with perhaps maybe went south. That, that's part of living in life. I think the key, the key to success, at least from my standpoint, is one word. And that word is recovery. Recovery. Now, whether you're an athlete or whether you're a business person, the speed of recovery moves you on. And let, let me give you an example. All right. Every one of us, whether you're a baseball fan or not, has probably seen a seven-year-old or an eight-year-old Little League baseball game. And here's what typically happens as one who has coached all ages of kids. A little boy gets up and strikes out. And now he runs out to his shortstop position. In many cases, the next ball hit to him will go through his legs because he hasn't recovered from striking out. If you watch the great athletes, the great baseball players, when they strike out, they walk back to the dugout as if nothing happened. Business as usual. So, yeah, and as far as I'm concerned, the, the bottom line is that we have to figure out a way to rise above the challenges, rise above the failures, rise above these obstacles, play through them and recover. You can't take it back. You, you can't go back, but you can learn from it and you can go forward with it. A bend in the road is not the end of the road. So as far as I'm concerned, you know, I, I think it was Zig Ziglar who once said, it's your attitude, not your aptitude. It defines your altitude. So I think it's all about the mind. It's all about the mind. Mm -hmm. Are there some things that you have found reliable to put that stuff behind? Because it's so easy to, to dwell on those failures or brick walls and, not, and actually miss what's right in front of us at the moment. Yeah, your blessings. You know, you look at your life. You know, let, let me give an example. Just happened this past weekend. My wife, Kim, and I are on the board of Paralympics. We went to a Paralympic track meet and we saw spirited, energetic, positive, upbeat athletes missing limbs, racing around a track in a wheelchair. And when you look at 
others and how they have risen above their challenges, being late to an appointment because I-75 has too much traffic or not making a sale is so insignificant. So the way you rise above it is you start thinking about how blessed you are with your family, your career, your health, hopefully, and on, on, on. You know, having, having eight grandchildren, how can I be depressed? How can I look in the eyes of a, of a one-year-old baby and feel anything but optimism and, and positivism? So I think, but again, it's, it's, you know, it's the old proverbial is the glass half empty or half full. And I think that um, we need to be positive. You can't take it back, but you have to rise above it. And to me, it's just about focusing on all the good things that have happened in your life or that are about to happen. Yeah. Oh, I think that's so perfect. It's awesome. Um, now, kind of on a different tangent there, Ira, what, what do you do to keep, keep from coasting? Let's put it that way. You know, you've achieved so many things. It'd be very possible to just expound on past achievements, but you're always growing, taking on new things. What keeps you striving? Avoiding Mr. Mediocrity, as we call this little being. Yeah. And, and it doesn't mean that I haven't been mediocre in some things. And, you know, I certainly we all have regrets and the things we could have done better. There's probably two things that that make the most sense to me. One is in every woman's pocketbook, in every bathroom, in every car, in every house, there is a mirror. There's a mirror. And I learned a long time ago with a poem that someone once shared with me. When you get what you want and you struggle through life and the world makes you king for a day, just go to the mirror and look at yourself and see what that man has to say. It's not your father, your mother, or wife whose judgment on you must pass. The one whose verdict counts most in your life is the man staring back from the, the glass. You may be like Jack Horner and, and chisel a plum and think you're a wonderful guy, but the man in the glass says you're only a bum if you can't look him straight in the, the eye. You may go through life, get pats on the back as you pass, but your final reward will be heartaches and tears if you've cheated the man in the glass. It's about the glass. It's about the mirror. That mirror won't let me, won't let me accept mediocrity. I look myself in the eyes and ask myself the question, could you have done a better job? You know, could you have been more energetic? Could you have been more charismatic? Could you have been a better listener? So to me, I believe part number one to avoid mediocrity is be honest with yourself. You know, you can lie to everyone on the planet, but you can't look yourself in the eyes and lie to yourself. And I think that's about, you know, moving forward. The second part is, if you can't be passionate about something, don't do it. Don't do it. Success is directly correlative, correlative to passion. You know, I would tell you back in my college coaching days or my U.S. World Cup coaching days or my Little League baseball coaching days, I would much prefer a player with great heart and great passion and average skills than a superb athlete with no passion and no heart. So I, I would say the mirror and passion are probably my two, uh, hopefully, pearls of wisdom. Yeah, they're absolutely that way. And passion can sometimes be kindled by having some success. So if we keep working hard at something, even when we're initially failing, eventually we get better at it, and then we're going to have more passion for it, and then it becomes a self-rewarding cycle upward, which is a good way to go. Absolutely. But, you know, it's interesting. Um, in the words of Pat Summit, legendary coach of the century, make hard work your passion. You know, th there's a great there's a great Pat, Pat Summit story that I'd love to share with you and your listeners. And, you know, Pat's son, Tyler, at nine years old, got cut from a basketball team. Now, first of all, you have to wonder 
why any any basketball coach would cut Pat Summit's son, but that, that's that's another story. And this wonderful story, I even have it on video. And the story is Pat, Tyler's crying, Mom, I got cut from my team. And and Pat looked at her young son and said, You have two basketballs in your room. If you go out in that driveway every day and wear out those balls, work, 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 wear out those balls, you will make the team. And then Tyler turned to his mom with tears in his eyes and said, will you help me? And Pat, profound Pat Summit said, I will help you, but I won't start your engine. That's the key. The key is not about just work. It's starting work. My, my 35-year-old son this morning started a 16-week process to run his first marathon. He got up at four in the morning, obviously started his engine. So I think it's, it's about, you're exactly right, hard work blended with passion, purpose, and success, whatever success means. Right. And sometimes it takes 16 weeks to prepare to do something like that. And so the willingness to prepare and to discipline to go through that. So well, well done for your son. But Dan, also to accept the fact that maybe you won't go the distance. Maybe you won't finish the marathon. Maybe you won't. But the fact that you put the effort forth, you're still further along than you were before. Mm -hmm. Absolutely That's right. And interestingly, I heard a statistic about the, the New York marathon. Although there's many people that talk about going into it and some of them don't actually start the race. Of the number that start versus the number that, that don't finish, fewer than 100 fail to finish. So because they put the preparation in, they finish. And that preparation is so powerful. And uh, but that's also about goal setting, because if the goal is to break the world record, that's a different goal. If the goal is to cross that line at 26.2 miles and whether I do it in two hours or I do it in seven hours. And that's the key. And we've all seen people straggle in two hours after the lead runner cross the fence. But it's all about personal You're not competing with anyone else in life. You're competing with yourself. How can I be better than I was last year? Mm hmm. Absolutely. Now, behind you on the screen, you have got something called the Definite Dozen that comes from Pat Summit. Can yes, you sir. share just a, a few insights from that, particularly the ones that have been most meaningful to you out of that? You quoted her a moment ago, make hard work your passion. Right. Clearly, that's a powerful one, but I'd love to hear more. Well, one of my favorites is discipline yourself so no one else has to. That goes back to myself. That goes back to the mirror. Discipline yourself so no one else has to, you know, whether it's an athlete or a business person, whether it's a sales executive or a professor, there still has to be that amount of discipline. And it's funny, when you discipline yourself and when you succeed, many people from afar believe, oh, he's a natural. He's got a God's gift. I met my, my youngest son. All three of my sons played college basketball. So my youngest son, Ryan, who is at one time leading the NCAA on foul shooting, shooting over 90%, almost 94%. And I remember being at a college game and Ryan had 13 out of 13 foul shots. And a woman next to my wife said, boy, he was born with a gift. And my wife, Kim, said, yeah, oh, he was born with a gift. But every morning at 530, he's on the basketball court for an hour and a half shooting foul shots. And during lunch between classes, he shoots foul shots. And then he shoots foul shots at practice. And if he doesn't have a lot of homework to do in his dorm room, he'll go back sometimes to the court. He tries to take 500 to 750 foul shots a day. Discipline yourself so no one else has to. You know, it's funny how, and, and you certainly, you're an amazing trainer, amazing educator, Dan, and I know, know about your background. Think about this. How many times has a sales manager turned to you and said, I just can't seem to motivate, motivate my sales force? 
You know what the real answer is? You have the wrong salespeople. If you have to motivate your salespeople, they shouldn't be selling for you. If I'm a coach and I have to motivate my players, they should come to practice already motivated. It's about the finer points of the X's and O's. So Pat Summit, discipline yourself so no one else has to make hard work. Your passion, certainly. And if I look back over here, make winning an attitude, put team before yourself. Sorry about putting, turning my back to you, Dan. No, not at all. These, these are what I call the painful elaboration of the obvious. We know that team is important. We know that discipline is important. We know that adapting to change is important. But Pat Summit, visionary educator, who, by the way, in 38 years of coaching, graduated 100% of her students. It was all about how do you succeed and how do you ultimately become significant? So we, we live by that here in the office, and it's uh, made a lot of sense. The definite doesn't. Ah, I think that's fantastic. And we can all apply those every single day. Yes, now, spe- speaking of every day, one, one question I'd love to ask our guests. Do you have a, a morning routine? In other words, when your eyes open in the morning, are there some thoughts or self-motivators that you have worked on with yourself to, to start each day in a great way? Because it impacts the whole rest of the day. So I'm going to answer that two ways. You know, both honest, one philosophical and one's a little flippant. But the first thing I do is want to go back to sleep for another hour. <laughs> I'm not a morning person. I, you know, uh, this morning I set my alarm for seven o'clock. I turned it off at seven o'clock and I said to myself, I deserve another 30 minutes, you know? So, but I, I think the first thing that I do intuitively is to look upwards and thank, thank God for another day, mm-hmm. for another opportunity, for the opportunity, to perhaps provide value you know, or the opportunity to learn. So to me, it's not about, you know, my father-in-law is 92 years old. He wakes up in the morning and he wiggles his toes and then he, he lifts his arms and does arm circles and he does all these. I, I don't have that regimen. My regimen, I think my first thing is to really turn around and say, boy, it's, it, it, it's, it's good to have another one. It's good to have another one because I think we have to look at that. And we all know, you, you talked about roadblocks and pivots before. Life is short, you know, life is fleeting. Changes happen in a nanosecond. Therefore, I think being thankful is, is the way you start your day. It makes such a difference. Instead of starting the day loaded down, start it lightening up by being thankful. I think that's fantastic. Well, you've encountered so many people over the years, Ira, as a coach, as a mentor. What would you say to somebody who is just completely discouraged? You know, they, they've checked their deck and they are out of aces. They're out of any face card. They are they don't know where to turn. What, what are the step-by-steps you would counsel somebody to just get themselves aware again and get moving again? Well, you know, so we have like four or five hours on this podcast, right? Yes, yes, we do. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I'm gonna, I'll give you a couple of top of mind responses, but I may just call you back later and we'll do podcast part two, the sequel. Great. The sequel. But, you know, there, there are a couple of things. First of all, I think they need to understand that everything in life is 5% idea and 95% work. We all have a great idea. This is what we're going to do today. This is what we're going to do this month. This is what we're going to do with our life, our business, our, our fitness level, our relationships. Those are all ideas. And those are easy. You know, one out of three people in Los Angeles have a screenplay. They have the idea. But they haven't put themselves down in a on a desk and a table and a chair and typed it out. So I think they have to understand that the idea is not enough. It's about work. It's about work. People that succeed are people that have absolutely focused on getting things done 
they not only talk the talk, they they walk the talk. And when I look at some of the, the amazing people that I've had relationships with, from General Colin Powell to Benazir Bhutto, the Prime Minister of, of Pakistan, late Prime Minister of Pakistan, to two presidents, to Bob Dole, to Steven Tyler, to, you know, the, the list goes on. Tommy Lasorda, Cal Ripken Jr., and others I've been blessed to have in my life at some time. They got past the idea. They worked at it. They worked at it. So to me, yeah, you know, it's so easy to wake up in the morning and say, what was me? I don't have a job or I don't have an opportunity. I'm not getting promoted or I didn't make the sale or, you know, you've got to turn that around and, and pragmatically, logically think about what you need to do. I was on the phone last night with a friend, a, a daughter of a friend of mine, and, and she wants to relocate to London and she wants to get into the field of helping young adults with disability transition into mainstream. And she was so frustrated. She doesn't know where to go. And she was depressed and she was down. And I, I said, well, time out. Stop. Stop. Time, time. Think about this. Pretend for a moment you're a consultant, a mentor, an advisor to yourself. What would you have yourself do? And by asking questions, she eventually, well, number one, I would find out about the greatest minds in London in the area of transitioning folks with disabilities, authors, speakers, colleges, centers, associations, and on and on and on. Just by magic, clicking a couple of keys, she came up to the conclusion that maybe if she Googled a few, she might get their names and addresses and write them letters and start networking. At the end of that conversation, it went from woe is me to, to wow, I've got some good ideas. So I, I think it's about being optimistic, Dan. I think it's about being pragmatic. I think it's about work. I think it's about work, and it's also about being logical. You know, if I was a sales guy and I was, and I took the attitude, sell as if your life depends on it, because it does. I'm going to figure out how to sell and support my family. So I don't know if I answered your question, but boy, it felt pretty good to me. Well, it's an excellent answer. In fact, when you say "from woe is me," it just hit me. From woe is me to wow, it's me. Yeah. Wow, it's me. I, I get busy and get working. You know, it, it's amazing how action makes such a difference that when we're sitting dwelling on stuff, we just get worse. Well, and that's the name of your podcast. It's about the action and cattle. It is about that. You know, it, it's just really, really interesting to see the folks that, you know, give, let me give you two very quick examples. So I had an opportunity many decades ago to go to see the Chicago Bulls practice a closed practice session, only some VIPs and sponsors. There was about 30 of us. And Michael Jordan was playing for the Bulls. Practice started at 8.30. They told us to be there at 8 o'clock, not to disrupt watching an NBA team practice. We got there at 7.45. The locker room door opened, and one player and a trainer came out, Michael Jordan. And for 45 minutes, he stretched, and he did his crossover, and he worked on fouls for 40. And then the buzzer went off, and the team came out at 8.30, because they were paid to be there at 8.30. At the end of practice, the team went back in the locker room, and Jordan stayed on the court another 30 minutes. We saw the end result of Michael Jordan. We saw him soaring over the basket, shooting great shots, and saving another championship victory. We didn't see all the work he put in. It was about work. Elton John, I'm in Las Vegas. My wife, Kim, and I have been married 37 years. This was at our 25th anniversary. We're married 25 years. We were going to renew our vows at the Little White Chapel. I was surprised that she signed up for another tour of duty, Dan, but that's it. <laughs> we had tickets to take our whole family to see Elton John. I'm walking through Caesar's Palace. I see the showroom in the middle of the day. I try to open the showroom door because I'd like to see where we're going to be this evening. 
the security guard said, you can't go in. I said, well, why can't I just want to see it. I'm going to be here tonight. I bought 10 tickets. No, no, you can't go in there. Elton John is rehearsing. So Michael Jordan comes to work early and stays overtime. And Elton John, so I found something out about Las Vegas, Dan. $20 bill will get you in any, any room. So I gave him <laughs> bill. I got in and I watched him rehearse. And he wasn't singing anything new. He was singing Tiny Dancer and Rocket Man. He was rehearsing, which says again, it's about work. It's about work. And those who work and those who focus on work with passion, as we said earlier, are the ones that succeed. It's not accidental. It's not accidental. Wow. I think this is fabulous. And if people that are discouraged would just stay moving and make one step, then the next step will make itself uh, accessible to them as well. That is so and, great. And by, the, and by the way, take some help. Take some help. Whether it's a mentor or, as I call it, a woman tour, find someone, find a coach, find a friend, a minister, a teacher, a consultant, a Dan, a podcast, whatever it is. When you're through learning, you're through. It's about continuous learning. Mm -hmm. Don't try to do the journey all alone when there's so many people that can help us get there. Absolutely. I think it's great. Well, your authorship continues. Uh, I'm proud to be able to hold up your latest book, Your Best is Next. Hey, look at this. We're twins. It's incredible. It's, it's incredible. Right side up. That says well, there's distribution in two states now. <laughs> well, we're loving that. But I would love for you to share a little bit more about the book and, and tell our listeners how we can get hold of this thing. Well, first of all, let's start with that first, okay? So on Instagram, on Twitter, on Flip LinkedIn, around. and on Amazon, all right, all you have to go to is Ira J. Blumenthal. Instagram, Twitter. Amazon, LinkedIn, Ira J. Blumenthal. But l let, me, let, me, let me share about the book a little bit, Dan, as you'd asked. This book was, was based in an epiphany. I started seeing people, people that I respected, doing great things at 70 and 80 and 90 years old. There's, there's a marvelous human being named Jim Haslam. He's the founder and chairman of Pilot Oil. I've had the opportunity to spend some time with this 88-year-old ball of energy. And it dawned on me that too many of us think that, oh, I'm turning 40, I'm going to have to slow down, or I'm 50 and start thinking about retirement, and, and 60, my goodness, I'll never be productive again. So I started researching some of the most famous people on the planet. Michelangelo painted the Sistine Chapel at 82 years old. Laura Ingalls Wilder wrote Little House on the Prairie at 74 years old. Harlan Sanders created Kentucky Fried Chicken at 65 years old. Everyone has to get older, but that doesn't mean you have to be old. And whether you're a teenager, whether you're a college student, whether you're a young business person, or whether you're a retiree or a recalibrator, as I call it, think about your best being next. There's something important about tomorrow. Uh, how many times have we heard? In fact, Dan, if I were to say to you, carpe diem, what does that mean, sir? Seize the day. Well, how about carpe manana? How about carpe manana? How about seizing tomorrow? How about figuring out a way that perhaps maybe, like my son Eric, maybe I'll run a marathon, or maybe I'll learn how to play the guitar, or maybe I'll finally write that book I've been talking to my kids about for 35 years. Maybe I'll get a paintbrush. Maybe I'll learn to lean it, read another language. Maybe I'll start a new business, whatever it is. Or maybe I'll graduate high school and 
be an, an excellent college student or, or maybe I'll run for the PTA presidency. If we don't have a focus on next, how shallow our lives would be. So your best is next is hopefully educational, more importantly, inspirational. And it came from a concept I read about. And many of your listeners, many of your viewers may not have remembered this, but back in the old days of track and field in the early 70s, before that, when the lead runner was running a mile, four laps, when that lead runner crossed the start at the end of the third lap, meaning they had one lap more to go, they'd fire a gun. Boom. It was called the gun lap. And the gun lap was a signal that if you're in the lead, don't lose it. You have one lap to, to go. But if you're six or seven or eight or 10 back in the pack, you've got one lap to make history. We all face gun laps in our lives, whether you're a high school student, a college student, a young business person, a newly, whatever it may be. So the book is based on the fact that the key to success, it's not how well you start. What matters is how you finish, whether it's finishing your college career or finishing a, uh, an assignment or finishing a, a, an employment or finishing whatever it may be. So the whole idea of, of my book is focused on the optimism that your best is next. Dream, think, aspire. You know, it, it's interesting. You know, people say everyone, you know, has to get older and, you know, you don't stop playing because you get older. You get older because you stop playing. <laughs> so I'm, uh, as you can tell, I'm passionate about it. It's, it's, it's exciting for me. And, and uh, initial feedback has been uh, real positive. You know, and the most important feedback I get is when, when my children and my bride and the folks closest to me, you know, tell me that they really enjoyed it or learned something from it. Because that's what it's all about. It's not about, it's not about bestsellers and it's not about being on you know, I have a friend named Robin Roberts who says good morning to 60 million Americans every day. Sure, I'd love to be on Good Morning America. It's not about that. It's about that personal pride, the mirror. I felt really good about it. So thanks for asking. Oh, I'm delighted and I'm excited about diving into it. You know, one of my current role models is a man named Fauja Singh. You, I don't know if you're familiar with Fauja. It, it sounds familiar, but I'm, I'm not sure. Please uh, tell me about it. We were discussing marathons. He is the first person to complete a marathon at the age of 100. Wow. And he did it in Toronto, Canada, in the Waterfront Marathon. He finally wrapped up his running career at the age of 103, but he didn't begin running until he was in his mid-80s. And wow. due, due to the untimely death of one of his sons, he went into a very deep depression. And it took a while for a friend to get him to come outdoors and just go for a stroll around the block. And he strolled the next day and he strolled the next day. And he remembered as a youth that he enjoyed running. So he got some running shoes and began to jog a bit and entered his first race in his mid 80s. He, he didn't know how to dress for a race. He'd never done one. So he put on a three piece suit and a tie to show up for the race. And he ran his first race <laughs> in a three piece suit. But he went on from there and has become a great counselor and inspiration to so many people about how to overcome tragedy and how to keep growing throughout life. So it's very much in the theme of what you're talking about right here. Your best is next. Well, it is. That story you just shared is a fantastic story. And those are things that we need to read and study about. You know, it's all about learning. You know, we, we were deceived when we were in high school and college. Some professor, some teacher said, success is in the hands of the learned, L-E-A-R-N-E-D. Not true. Success is in the hands of the learning, L-E-A-R-N-I-N-G. It's a continuous process. And just listening to that story about that fabulous gentleman, you know, has to motivate all of us to figure out what, what, what's next, what's next for me. 
And when we're always aware that there's a next, it makes the today that much more exciting and vibrant. It's not an end game. It is a doorway into what comes next. And that's exciting. Well, but we've all, and we've all procrastinated, you know, oh, gee, I really want to start a diet. What's today, Dan? Uh, hmm. Today's Monday. Maybe I started, well, let me, I'm going to wait till the first of the month, wait till the first of the year. You know, there's a word that's missing from the Declaration of the Independ- of Independence and the Constitution. And I'm, I'm rah, rah, America. I'm not criticizing our country, but there's one word missing. Now, it should say we're entitled to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, it's about now. And, and that's what this book hopefully will educate and inspire people to think about. It is about now. If you wanted to paint when you're 28, but you're very busy and now you're 38 or 40, you still want to paint, but now you've got kids and that, and now you, you don't start picking up a paintbrush soon. You're never going to paint. It's about now. It's about now. Oh, I love it. I love it. Ira, this has flown by. It's unfair that we have such limited time because we could go for hours and hopefully we will do a reprise of this and spend a lot more time together. Thank you, sir. No, my thanks to you. And thanks for the great work that you do because you do change lives and it does every single day. And I'm delighted for the example that you set and the things that you shared that have helped me personally today uh, in ways that you won't even know. So my thanks to you. And on behalf of all of our listeners, thanks so much for being on the Action Catalyst. Now, how can they get hold of the book? You said, Ira, but you had the sign upside down. Hold it up. I did, time. Okay, let's try it this way. Is all right. Up a little higher. Look, it's, it's Instagram. It's Twitter. It's LinkedIn and it's Amazon. Okay. You're, again, you know, your, your best is next. But it's also uh, Amazon.com, uh, Ira J. Blumenthal. Dan, I, I'd like to leave you with one quote, if I may. I Please do. Sure. Um, if someone were to ask me the most important quote of my life, it was Mark Twain's, the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you found out why. I thank God every day that I found out my why a number of years ago. Every one of the people on this podcast need to figure out, why am I here? And, and then you move from the what and the who of your life and, and, and produce. So once again, your best is next. Amazon, Twitter, you know, certainly Instagram uh, and LinkedIn. And I can't thank you enough. Uh, you do an amazing job, and I'm just honored to be on the podcast. Well, it is mutual, my friend. I look forward to our next conversation. Have a phenomenal day, because I know that I will now. Thank you so much. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. To stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. Thanks for listening.